Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Well, like I said, church, tonight we embark in a brand new book in the Old Testament, right? It's a brand new series called Foundations. It really is the book of Ezra. Now, before we jump into our chapter and verse and break it down and pull things out and exegetic the text, guys, um, I think we need, we need some background, right? We need to see what's going on and why this is going on. It's important to always have background so we don't just jump in. I had somebody text me today and said, oh, you're starting a brand new book. Uh, yes, yes, I'm starting. He says, should I read that book? And I said, no, hold on. Let, let's get some context in there because if you just jump in, you're going, what's going on? What's happening? I'm not sure what's happening. And so we need some background and we need to see what's going on and why it's going on. And the second thing we need to do is we need to understand the gospel. We need to really grasp and get a hold of the gospel. See, a lot of times people think the gospel is really simple. Well, it's good news. And the good news is Jesus saved me. Hallelujah. High five. But yet the gospel is so much more because it engulfs every area of our lives. The gospel message should be from the tip of our head to the bottom of our feet, walking through us every, it's not just that God saved us. Well, yeah, I prayed this prayer and I'm saved. Gospel! It's, it's every bit of us and growing in us. And so we need to see as we go through Ezra. Now, here's what I want you to grasp, guys. Understand. Old Testament books, man, all they do is they point to the gospel. They point to the cross. You'll see Jesus in every Old Testament book if you look hard enough. You go, wow, that's great. That's great. But it's the gospel. It's the gospel. And we see that God has and does prepare his people for his work. Unfortunately, church, you can write this down. So many people miss out on it because they get real comfortable in what we call so-called Babylon. They get real comfortable. We're going to look at that a little bit today. Okay, so let's talk history. Oh, Pastor, I didn't come to church for a history lesson. Well, let's see if I can make it. Let, let's just let's just do this. As far as history goes, if you are reading through the Bible, if you're in the one-year Bible, we just finished up Jeremiah. Steer in Jeremiah, but here's what we've learned in Jeremiah. You go, what's that? Jeremiah was a bullfrog. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that. It, uh, basically, here it is. In the book of Jeremiah, we learn that um, for 40 years, Jeremiah was preaching to the children of Israel. He was speaking out to the nation of Israel. You go, Pastor, what was he preaching? Right? Well, he was preaching a message to them And here's the message. Here's what he declared. It was imperative that they turn away from idolatry. You go, Pastor, that seems like (laughs) every New Old Testament book. I mean, it's always idolatry. Well, Jeremiah, 40 years he's preaching. Guys, turn from idolatry. Guys, turn from idolatry. Hey, you in the back, turn from... That's Jeremiah's whole message for 40... Can you imagine? 40 years of ministry. And you go, well, what, what was Israel involved in at the time that Jeremiah is preaching this? Well, some of the idols that Jeremiah preaches against, guys, one called is Astaroth. Astaroth. It's the god, and I say little g god, of sensuality. Astaroth. You go, who else? Another, another is called Molech. Molech. 
And this was the God of prosperity in sacrificing your children in the name of convenience. They were worshiping the God of Molech. There was also the God of Baal, Baal. Right? He was the god of immorality with the, with intellect. So it wasn't just, I mean, this is, this is crazy as well as they were worshiping the god of mammon. My Bible students in here would know mammon. Wait a minute. Jesus said something about mammon, right? Isn't that the same as money? Yeah, they were worshiping money. So Jeremiah goes, wow. And he, and he says, these, these guys, they're, they're in complete idolatry. They're in complete idolatry, and, and what happened is this idolatry engulfs people to the extent, listen to me, that they walk away from the Lord, and they begin to worship these things. Jeremiah is seeing this. It's all unfolding. He's going, oh my goodness, they are so wrapped up in the Asteros, in the Molex, in the Baals, that they're walking away from the living God. They're not serving him. Now, before, guys, we go on, we learn that God is going to raise up a nation to come and take captive his people. But before we do that, guys, let's learn or take to heart the idols in our lives. You go, okay, well, let's talk about that. If you're here today and you could say you're living in 2017. We don't exactly go, hey, listen, I'm, I'm serving the God of Astaroth or I'm serving the God of Baal. We don't, we don't say that. We don't say we are serving idols found in the Old Testament. Yet, church, if we are honest, these gods or idols, they've been around for a long time. We go, yeah, you go, what, what are they? Well, let me just say this, okay? Let me back up for just a moment. Let me say there are two types of idol worship that's going on in the world right now. There's probably more. I'm just going to give you two types. You go, what's that? Number one, there are idols that people worship in the name of convenience. Flat out. What's good for me, that's what I'm going to worship. You go, well, like well, like what? Well, again, let's talk about Ashtaroth, right? Ashtaroth, okay? Ashtaroth was the god of sensuality. You go, what is sensuality? It's the enjoy, listen, the enjoyment, expression, or pursuit of physical, especially sexual pleasure. You go, pastor, I think that's going on today, right? I mean, this is, now, now listen, let me just stop you right now, okay? Let me just stop right here. Your kids are growing up in a world that's way different than ever before. There is the God of Astaroth. There is that, that, okay, they have seen more sexual commercials than ever before. I grew up in an era where it was starting to form. The kids, our teenagers, are, have grown up and it's the norm. It's the norm, guys. They're sitting there going, what is wrong with that? And we're going, are you kidding me? I used to get punished for looking at some. I mean, and, and, and now it's, and again, guys, think about it. It's what? The enjoyment, expression, or pursuit of physical, of the physical, anything. This is what I want. It's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship the God of Astaroth. The what? The physical. Especially sexual pleasure, Right? Swipe right, stripe, swipe left, right, right, huh? 
We're worshiping that. How about the God of Molech? The God of Molech. You go, Pastor, we're not doing that. Now listen, listen. And I want you to think. I want you to put your thinking caps on. Molech is the biblical name relating to the Canaanite God, the Canaanite God associated with child sacrifice. Well, we're not sacrificing any kids. Nobody's, nobody's holding them over a fire. Well, in the name of convenience, what are we doing to children? We're not worshiping worshiping that. Come on, guys, listen, listen. This is what Israel was doing. You go, what what about Baal? Well, Baal was the fertility god who was believed to enable the earth to produce crops and the people to produce children. And different religions worship Baal in different ways. And Baal provide to be a highly adaptable god. Okay, so what do I need? I need something to happen, man. The crops need to come in. We need to worship who? And they say we'd worship Baal. Oh, sweetie, we've been trying to get pregnant for, for how long now? Oh, well, maybe we need to not worship the God of Israel. We're not the living God. We need to maybe, maybe we need to throw in our, into the God of Baal, because then we can get pregnant. And of course, the people worshiping today is the God of Mammon. And we know that that's money. What did Jesus tell us? Jesus tells us we can't serve God in money, right? You can't serve two masters. He said you'll either be slave to the one or to the other. I can do it. I can serve Jesus in money. Well, how much money is enough? Just a little more. Just a little more. How much will, how much money is it going to take for you to be satisfied? Just a little more. Just a little more. So these are idols, guys. If I would, if I could with the big broad brush say this is what, this is what the world is worshiping. This is what the world is worshiping. Now, I want it, let's zero it down, okay? This is the world, let's zero it down. Where does it stem to? There's one idol that it stems to, and you go, what's that? Every one of these points to, help me, self. You guys are good. That's right. That's right. In the name of convenience, me. This is what I want. This is what I want to do with my life. It's my life. And I want to, and and, and, and Jeremiah's going, guys, stop, 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 stop. Now, all of these guys go against the Lord God of heaven. I mean, seriously. Why? Because we're called as believers to worship and love and serve the God of heaven. Well, my, my problem, pastor, it might be your problem, but my problem is that when I pray to God, he doesn't show up. Anyone? Can we be honest in church? We feel like there are times when God does not show up when we need him. And we're on our knees and we're crying out to him and going, God, I need you. This is going on in my life and I feel like it's falling apart. And and and, and yet, we're called to serve and love this God. Number two. Think about this. That was number one. There are other idols that are not so evident. You go, what's that? Well, there are good things in life we make ultimate. You've heard me harp on this before. There are good things in life that we make ultimate. It was Tim Keller who wrote in his book, Counterfeit Gods, quote, our hearts are idol factories. 
You see, as believers, church, we're not out here, we're not here, we're definitely not worshiping the God of Mammon, we're not worshiping Astaroth, we're not worshiping the Baals, we are serving God, but now, in a, in a sort of a subtle way, our hearts are, pro- are producing idols. You go, well, like what? You go, like what? Well, guys, listen, listen, before I go on, let me ask you one question, okay? I don't want you to raise your hand or shout it out, but listen, let me ask you a question. What is the one thing you love doing the most? What is the one thing? What is the one thing, if you could be doing it right now, you would? You go, I love spending time with my wife. I love whatever it might be, right? Listen, it could be a very good thing. But if that good thing becomes ultimate in your life, you then have an idol in your heart. Think about it. You can take something very good and you can make it ultimate and becomes an idol. Now, I know what you're thinking. You go, Ben, why are you bringing this up? Man, it's Wednesday night. It's chill night. Come on. Now, listen, let me say this. I think it would be cruel for me to sit and pander you about things that want to rob you of your walk with God. I think it would be cruel as your pastor to go, hey, let's just talk about life. And these things are coming in and they're robbing you of what? Well, church, listen, I am compelled by the scriptures to tell you that you're playing a dangerous game. And listen, listen, I am the first one on the bus when it comes to encouragement and motivating you all in life. But I love you more to tell you the truth about the reality of being a Christian. You go, what's that mean? Idols will rob us of our joy. Idols will rob us of our peace. Idols, listen, idols will rob us of our purpose, won't it? What's your purpose? Idols will rob us of your happiness, of your happiness. And I'll even think about this too, guys. Idols, even if they're a good thing, they'll rob you of your compassion for others. Can I get a witness, anyone? So, I bring these up because I have to, in my life, check my heart on a daily basis. Lord, what what am I taking that's good and making it ultimate and allowing me to be robbed of all the things you have for me? And let me tell you this, okay? Bear with me. Let me tell you this. Those idols are sneaky little bugs. They are sneaky. You're like, God, you're ultimate, right? You're the ultimate, and you're worshiping, and you're having, oh, bless the Lord, oh my, and you're just having a great time, right? And then come Tuesday morning, you know, maybe one hand's up. You're not worshiping with both hands anymore. One hand's up. By Wednesday, you're like this. And then you realize, what have I done? I've, that little sneaky thing came in, and I've taken something good, and I put it back. Oh, I gotta take it down. I take it down. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm compelled by the Scriptures to say, guys, check your hearts. Check your hearts. Because they can be very good things. Paul tells us in Romans, doesn't he? He said, we're very good at reversing the creative order. 
we're very good at taking something, right? Something that God created and making it ultimate, forgetting about God the Creator. Okay. So back in our study in Ezra, what does God do? God sees this, tells Jeremiah, preach against it. Guys, they're, they're, they're getting robbed. Jeremiah, do your best. And so he says, guys, listen, God's going to raise up a nation to discipline Israel. God's going to raise up a nation. Okay? So who did he raise up? He raised up a group called the Babylonians to come and capture the Israelites under the leadership of none other than Nebuchadnezzar. Now, here's what I want you to see. To Israel, they're about to go into captivity. We're going to see that in just a minute, okay? But I want you to see that God still has his hand on the thermostat. God is the one who's raising up these nations. God is the one. So if you're here today and you find yourself in being disciplined by God, the first thing you need to do is say, thank you, Jesus. And you go, why? Because when God disciplines his kids, it means you are his kids. That's the first thing. The second thing is you need to understand that God loves you enough that he will discipline you to get those things that are robbing you of a genuine walk with him. The American church has has done a disservice of just saying, hey, if you come to church and you call yourself a Christian and you put a bumper sticker on your car, amen. And, 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 And none of that... Whatever, none of that in there could be, has to do with obedience to God, with obedience to his word, with compassion, with loving a brother or sister. We just go, hey, are you doing? I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And yet God's going, no, 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 there's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. And we get so much joy. So he raises up Nebuchadnezzar. You go, well, what happens? Well, you guys are in Ezra. Go one page back to Second Chronicles. One page back, okay? You should just be able to flip back like this. You're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 36. Say amen if you're there. And I want you to look at verse 15 with me. One page back. It's not that hard. Got it? Second Chronicles 36, 15. Notice, okay? This is going to be leading up to the book of Ezra. Notice what it says. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warning to them by his messengers. Who are those guys? Those are the prophets, okay? So God's going, listen, I'm going to keep sending a messenger. I'm going to keep sending a warning. Rising up early and sending them. Because he did, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Listen, guys, I think there's a nugget of truth we can grasp from even this verse. You go, why? I think God loves you so much that he's going to keep sending the message of warning until you get it. Because he loves you and he has compassion. Man, I wish God would stop bugging me about this. No, 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 he loves you. And he wants you to get it right. There's something not right. And he's saying, come on. But notice what Israel did, verse 16. But they mocked the messengers of God. Wow. 
despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no remedy. What did they do? They didn't believe. They scoffed at him. <laughs> yeah, sure, God. You're going to bring judgment. I'll tell you what we'll do at this point. We'll pray to Baal. We'll pray to the Asherah. We just don't believe it. And notice what they did, guys. They mocked his messengers. And you guys know this with Jeremiah. You know this with Hosea. Hosea kept going and telling the people. And they're like, Hosea, shut up already. We're tired of hearing your, your judgment and damnation. Come on. Everything is going good. We got food in the fridge. We got a great bank account. We got a great job. Hosea, stop talking. And God says, no, 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 no. Listen, you mocked them. You mocked them and until there was, until there was nothing left in, in his wrath. Therefore, he says, he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary, he had no compassion on young men or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hands. And all the articles from the house of God, this is important, guys, all the articles of the house of God, great and small, the treasures from the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem. There it is. Burned all his palaces with fire, destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia. We know that Persia is modern-day Iran. But, but listen, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until he, the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. As long as she lay desolate, she kept the Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Okay, so we see this is exactly what happened. Hey, guys, listen, turn from your idols. Please turn from your idols. God is going to, he's going to send fierce judgment on us. Turn from him. No, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. Come on. Jeremiah, you know, listen, why don't you just go sit in the corner? Everything's fine. We are good. We're good. No, listen, you don't understand. And God sent the Chaldeans under Nebuchadnezzar, came in and destroyed everything. Didn't spare anyone. I mean, grandmas and grandpas were killed. Some of you are going, nobody better kill my grandma. I get it. Think about it. Young men, virgins, I mean, he wiped out everything. He took the articles from the temple, burned the house down, burned the temple down. until the word of the Lord was fulfilled and the land had rest. Now, remember, okay, if you're taking notes, guys, it had been 490 years that Israel did not keep the Sabbath, okay? 490. The land was supposed to rest every seventh year. Well, seven, okay, divided by 490 gives us 70 years. Okay, God always gets his Sabbaths. Israel thought they were getting away with it for 500 years. Let me just say this to you. Number one, that is the grace and mercy of God. Then he said, nope, this is what I prescribed. You're going to do this. So he brings in Nebuchadnezzar. The land is going to rest for how long, church? 70 years. 
70 years, the land's going to rest in Israel. Here's the one thing we need to learn. We need to learn. God is God. God is God. And I think that the sooner we, we succumb to obedience to his word, I think, I think the better off we are. I mean, I mean, think about this. You and I having a conversation. Yeah, it's been 480 years. God hasn't done anything yet. I still, we're still plowing on Sunday. We're still doing everything we do, man. 480. What happens on the 481 years? 481. God's never done. Man, my grandfather used to tell me stories. They didn't even. God says 490 years. Watch what's going to happen. There are people today, church, that are mocking you and I because of what we believe. They laugh at us and they scorn. Really? Oh, Jesus is coming back. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, there's a God in heaven. Who, who do you pray to at night? Do you see him? Who do you? And they mock us. But there's going to be a time when God says, okay, my compassion, my mercy, it's done. Now, we have the heart of Christ, and so we don't want to see any of our friends that are lost. Amen? Even though they mock us, we've got to go. That's still, listen, church, listen. We have to see people as precious souls. We have to see them as souls, and we pray for them, and we walk with them. We say, hmm. Some of us had our friends mock us what we believe, and how radical we are. Dude, you're just radical, man. Listen, I'm a Christian too, but I, I throw a few back every now and then, and, and I do this, and I get, I get stoned from time to time, man. Listen, it's okay. We're all, no, 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 that's not, that's not who God wants us to be. God wants us to be men and women that are righteous and are leaders and represent him well. That's who God wants us to be. But your friends will mock you. Hey, you want you want some? No, no, no. Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Why? Why? Are you goody two shoes? I bet you don't even really. That's where we're gonna go. That's where we're gonna... I thought we were friends. That's where we're gonna go. Yeah. Next time a party comes around, they don't even think of you, right? They don't even invite you anymore. Man, she got religion. She got religion. He got religion. Man, he's just. Let's not invite him. He's such a, he's such a, man, he's always harshing our buzz, man. He's just, he's always just crazy. He does, listen, that's what they did here. And God said, no, no. Seventy years, seventy years. Now, think about this, guys. Do you remember in our Daniel study? Here's what I love about it. In Daniel, guess what he was doing? Daniel was a man of God. Daniel loved God. Even when he was taken away, 900 plus miles he was taken away, he still served God. And I want to be honest with you, that's what I want to be like. Let me just shoot straight with you. I want to be a man who loves God so much that if they take me 900 miles away from where I'm at, from what I'm doing, that I can still love God with a whole heart and serve him wholeheartedly. And that's what Daniel did. But one day Daniel was reading Jeremiah. And he goes, you won't believe it. Sometimes you won't believe it. 
70 years is almost up. It's almost up. We're almost, we get to go home. Are you serious? And he starts, I don't know if there was a Santos back then, but maybe if there was, he would, he would be telling them, but th- that's the whole point. He's saying we, we get to go. And he's so excited. He's like, it's almost time to go home. It's almost time to go home. And let me ask you this, church. Can we relate to that or what? Isn't it almost time to go home? Isn't it almost time? So we are so close, church. We are so close. Closer, closer by the minute. But let me say this to you, okay? Some are closer than others. You go, what does that mean? Listen. Listen, you don't know when you're going to take your final breath. I'm sure every one of us in this room can think back to a person that we lost this year. Whether it's an accident, something or other. I think collectively, guys, as a church, we can say it's almost time to go home. It's almost time to go home. You go, okay, Pastor, listen, I'm with you. It's almost time to go home. But I've got a question. What's that? What do we do while we're waiting? What do we do? Guys, you ready? Jot this down. We build our foundation. We build our foundation. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Listen, let me just say this to you real quick. At this church, we can probably collectively learn how to draw a crowd. Can I get an amen? We could, we could draw a crowd. We, we just, we just need to put our heads together and we could, we could fill the seats. We could fill them with a crowd. But what we're doing is we're trying to get men and women to grow and build a foundation. The foundation. I love the way Paul puts it, guys, in his letter to the Ephesians. If you're pretty quick, you can turn there. If not, just listen. Ephesians chapter 4. Check this out. Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. In verse 10, he said, Who descended, speaking of Jesus, who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And I know he's going to give us the foundation. Look at verse 11. He says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers. Everybody got that, okay? People call that the fivefold ministry. You got apostles, you've got what? Prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. But if you study this, pastor teachers is actually one phrase. It's pastor teacher. Okay. So every pastor should be able to be a teacher. And that's what he's talking about. He says, okay, so now he, he looked at some of you and he said, okay, some of you are going to be this. Now, verse 12, what's the reason? right? For the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What did he say? It's really simple. Listen, God just called y'all into the ministry. No, he did not. Yes, he did. Let me read it again. He gave some to be a pastor, teacher, why would he make me a pastor, teacher? Because you're the pastor, you have to do all the work. You have to go to every 
um, counseling appointment and you have to go to every hospital visit. No, 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 no. Listen, here's what he said. He said, he made me a pastor teacher to equip the saints. You guys are the saints. My job is to equip you, to give you a foundation. To equip you for what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. God just called you in the ministry. Everybody got that? You just got called into the ministry. Are you calling the ministry? Yep. How come? Because you're a believer. Every believer is called into the ministry. What's the reason I'm called into the ministry, right? Here's why. Okay? We need to be called so that we what? Till we all come to the unity in faith. For what reason? Look at verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But the speaking of truth in love may grow up in all things unto into him who is the head, Christ. You go, what? Here's where we need to build our foundation, guys, that we're no longer tossed to and fro. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, I read this great book. I read this great book and in, and, and into this book it was, well, I, there's some things, there's some, there's some things, right? And it, it doesn't really line up with scripture. It's like different from scripture, but it's so good. It's so, oh, it just, it just touched my spirit and, and wow. And I was, and it's like, what does it say about scripture? Oh, it really doesn't. It says like the Bible is ancient and now God is doing a new thing. And you're going, no, 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 no. Listen, that's a wind of doctrine that's going to get you into a very dangerous place. And, and, and those that are immature, those that are not equipped will follow every wind of doctrine. Oh, what's new over there? Oh, I kind of like that. I like it. Look at that church, man. The music's pretty good. I like it. And, and, and we're not getting, we're not getting fed. You should leave here going, wow, I'm chewing on the message. I'm chewing on the word. Your foundation should be so strong that when the winds of, of false doctrine come blowing through, it doesn't move you. If somebody were to get up here and bring a false message, my prayer for you, church, is you'd say, no. No, that's not what the Word of God teaches. I pray that never happens, but we should be equipped in the Word of God. Spoiler alert. It doesn't only, it it can't happen just on Sundays and Wednesdays. Okay, your foundation needs to be built every single day. Are you spending time with Jesus? Do you know what he's like? Do you know how he, do you know his heart? Do you know how he looks at people? Do you know how, do you know that Jesus has, has has such an incredible heart for people? Do you know that? You go, yes, I know that. Well, then you should have that same heart, right? You should have that same heart. Why, Pastor? Why? Those, church, who, who do not mature and build their foundation, guys, are, they're targets. They're targets of, for the deceivers and those who, who effectively and precisely, because they operate with chicory and cunning craftiness, they get sucked in and and it's a lot like, do you guys remember, do you guys remember when the, when the, um, Israelites 
were wandering in the wilderness. Do you guys remember that? Did you know the Amalekites, who did they pick off? They didn't pick off the strong ones in the front of the line. They didn't pick up those who were in the group. They picked off the weak ones, the ones who were straggling, the ones who were chasing butterflies. Butterflies. The Amalekites came in and killed them, guys. Poor grandmas who couldn't walk. The weak, the lame, those are broken. And, and that's the whole point. The whole point. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think the deceiver, who do you think the enemy will go after? Someone who's strong in the word of God or somebody who doesn't know their Bible? Who do you think he's going to go after? Somebody who doesn't know their Bible, right? Why? It's easy pickings. If he probably say it's like taking candy from a baby, man. It's just real simple. Why? They don't know the word. They don't know the word. Or maybe you're sitting at home and you're flipping through the television, right? And you see somebody come on and he starts preaching. You're going, hey, that's pretty good. And then you go, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Did, did you hear what he said? Wow, that doesn't, that's not right. And you get out your Bible and you're like, no, we studied this. That's not right. It's not right. You guys remember our series called Autocorrect? You know, when we taught when we taught the verses in context and then somebody used them out of context, everybody's in here going, mm-mm, that's not, that's not right. It's like, wow, okay, don't do that. But yes, I mean, that's good, right? Because we were, we were realizing, right? Help me, church. We're two or, we're two or more gathered in my name, right? We're two, we're two or more gathered. Jesus is here. Out of context. And people use that, and I get that. I understand that. Yes, we want Jesus here, but I want him when, when, when y'all ain't here too. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you do. I'm sure when you're driving alone, you're like, Jesus, take the wheel. Anyways, that's... Anyways, <laughs> um, here's what I like. I, uh, Pastor David Guzik writes this, and I, I stole it from him, and I want to give it to you. He says this, We can wrongly value movement over growth. Mere movement is being tossed to and fro, but God wants us to grow up in all things. Sometimes we think just because we're moving, that equals growth. And I was like, wow, isn't that true? Because I'm a busy little bee Christian, and I'm moving to and fro, and I'm helping here, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, but that doesn't equal growth, guys. All that means is that you can be tossed to and fro, to and fro. How? By the trickery of men. You guys see that? The words refer to the arts used by games, gamesters who employ false dice that will always throw up one kind of number, which is that by those who play with them cannot win. The trickier of men means like you'll never win. You'll never win. We're building a foundation. So as we embark in the book of Ezra, I want you to keep this in mind. And I know we are slowly running out of time. Wrap your mind around this, okay? Israel is on the brink of going home to rebuild the temple, or at least the foundation of the temple. They've been slaves for almost 70 years. They've been taken away from everything and everyone, every comfort they knew, every peace in life. They're living in Babylon. Babylon could be a type of the world. And then... About 538 B.C., Cyrus comes in and he decrees all the Jews can go home. All the Jews go back. And everybody's like, yes, 
Right on. We were in Babylon. We were in captivity for 70 years. We get to go home. But let me give you a nugget of truth. Okay? About a million Jews, and I couldn't confirm this. I was hoping to. But about a million Jews left in the Babylonian captivity 70 years before. You guys with me? Guess how many went back when when Cyrus decreed it was okay to go back? 50,000. 50,000. I was like, what? Okay, let's not, I'm, I'm not going to say behind the pulpit that it was a million because I couldn't. But that was a lot of Jews who got taken into, into captivity, right? Only 50,000 went, and you go, Pastor, well, what's the point? You guys ready? God always deals in small remnants of numbers. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ, I believe, listen to me, I believe that it's small in number as well. And I believe that there's a lot of people who think they're Christians, but they don't know Jesus. You go, what do you mean? When Cyrus decreed they could go home, many of them said, no, thank you. I'm good here. I'm good in the world. Listen, I don't want to go back and rebuild the temple. Listen, I don't want to go back and do all that. I got, I've, I, I mean, there's some legit excuses, okay? I mean, I've got my parents, they're very old, I don't want to take them, that's all, that's 900 miles, I mean, I'm going to stay here. But there's a lot of them who simply stayed in the world, listen to me, they stayed in the world because of the comforts of the world. God never called us to be comfortable, guys. He never called us to be comfortable. He called us to be warriors. He called us to be conquerors. He called us to be men and women of the word, not to bash it on anybody's head, right? We don't sit there with the Bible and go, come here. But we we speak the truth in love. This is what he called us to do, right? Most, Most of the Jews stayed in Babylon. Most of the Jews, only a few went home. You go, Pastor, What? where should we go from here? Well, I'm going to ask Josh to make his way up here. And here's what I want to do, guys. I want to finish this intro with Ezra's role in the Bible. And then I want to give you the gospel, okay? Ezra's role in the Bible. Ezra begins a new story in Israel's history. From Genesis to Deuteronomy, God calls out Israel to a special nation and teaches them his laws. Just like us, we are the church. This is not, re- this is not, um, we, Israel, we are not, the church has not replaced Israel. Israel still has his place, but we are still the church, the iglesia, the called out ones, and God has a special place for us to do his work. From Joshua to Second Chronicles, God gives Israel a land and a king, but Israel loses both when they consistently disobey God. From Ezra to Esther, God restores Israel from exile in their own land. Ezra and Nehemiah, just if you're taking notes, guys, they were once linked as one book. And that's why Ezra or Nehemiah is the next book. We really should have studied Ezra before we studied Nehemiah, but that's okay. 
you said, well, Ben, where's the gospel? Where's the gospel? Here's a question I want you to ask. Do we see Jesus in the book of Ezra? You go, I don't know if we really do. I want you to notice this. Ezra is never quoted from the New Testament. Nobody ever quotes the book of Ezra. But I want you to think about Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, okay? If you are planning to have children in the future, I think this is a good name, Zerubbabel, okay? You go, what, what's up with Zerubbabel? Guys, he is empowered by God to the chief builder of the temple. Well, yeah, and he was a descendant of the royal line and the house of David and was an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Wow, so Zerubbabel was part of the lineage of Christ. Yep. Number two, there was a high priest. His name was Jeshua. Yeshua. In, in Hebrew and Aramaic, it means God is salvation. Yeshua is pronounced Yeshua, which is translated in the New Testament, Jesus. It's fascinating, guys, that the high priest in charge of now rebuilding the temple, his name was Jesus. Third, here's the gospel. The fact that Israel was in slavery and in bondage, can anyone relate? Yet, they returned where? Back to the promised land. Isn't that the gospel message? We, too, were once in bondage to slave, to sin and slavery, to brokenness and guilt. We were once, guys, we were once in chains, man, on our way to hell. And God stepped in and he redeemed us and he took us and he broke those chains and he puts us on from the miry clay to the solid rock. And now we're in the promised land. You go, I ain't no promised land. Man, you get to walk with Jesus. Every He lives inside you. He lives inside you, guys. We're going to see all that through the book of Ezra. I once, guys, was what? I once was lost. Couldn't find my way out of a paper bag. I was blind. I couldn't see. And then Jesus stepped in and he saved me from me. That's the gospel. Let me end with this, guys. Can I exhort you to do a couple of things? Number one, I want you to memorize Ezra 9.9. I think we could do it. I'm not saying by next week. Just keep working on it. The second thing is, is that when you truly understand the gospel message, you're free. You're back in the promised land. And life should be different. Your outlook should be different. Your heart should be different. The Bible says it this way. You died. I don't know if you realize that. Colossians says you died. I did? Yeah.
And then God rose again. He rose you to new life. A life that's pleasing to him. Pastor, what should I do? Real simple, real simple. If there's any idols in your heart, guys, confess those things. Repent. Lord, Lord, I just, whoa. I lay them at your feet. That's the first thing because we talked about idols. The second thing is that we're excited about going home. We're going home. We're going home and, 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 and listen. We don't know if we're going home collectively or we don't know if we're going home individually. I'm ready to go home. This is not my home. This is not my home. I'm ready to go home. Well, Pastor, what if you don't go home? Then i got a lot of work to do. Why? Because there's a lot of what? There's a lot of so-called Christians, and I get it, all around the world, that I want to reach with the true love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. We love you, Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.